In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And O oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion, he is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves judgment. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. 
Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. In the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Testament reading for the Transfigura- this Transfiguration Sunday comes from Exodus chapter 24, verses 8 through 18. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to him. Go to them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from, the, from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Confess the Christian faith. He's in the words of the Apostles' Creed on page 192. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if we uh, look behind us today we see the Sundays of Epiphany where our Lord is revealed in his heralded prophesied birth in his miracles in his teachings we look ahead of us, we see the season of Lent, this time of preparation, this time of examining ourselves and our need for a Savior to come and redeem us. And right in the middle here today, we stand at this festival of the transfiguration of our Lord as Peter and James and John see a new epiphany a new revealing of who Jesus is, revealed in all of his splendor and all of his glory and power, true God and true man. Up until now, Peter thought he had Jesus pretty well figured out. We go back a little bit in our gospel, in the gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter gives his famous, well-known answer, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus tells Peter that he is blessed because 
God the Holy Spirit has revealed this to him. Not the world, not Peter's own mental prowess, but because the Holy Spirit is the one who creates faith. We know that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him to himself. And then Jesus predicts his death in Jerusalem and Peter takes him aside and rebukes him and says, no way, Jose, well, no way, Jesus, no way, Jesus, ain't gonna happen. And Jesus rebukes Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you're not thinking about God's things, you're thinking about man's things. So Peter understands Jesus to some degree, but there's another epiphany that has to happen. Another revelation of just who this Jesus is. And so, it says just six days later, and I know that's tied to that Old Testament reading, because in old, the Old Testament reading there, there are six days, and then God calls Moses up onto the mountain. Very interesting, these parallels. Six days later, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They head up onto a high mountain, and suddenly, Peter and James and John, they see a different Jesus, a transfigured Jesus, changed right there in front of their eyes. Matthew says his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And then Matthew uses a special word, this word behold, meaning, guess what? Look at this, pay attention, standing with Jesus, they see two other men that they didn't see come up the mountain with them, Moses and Elijah. And they're talking about what Jesus is about to accomplish. And Peter is so excited he wants to do something. He's a doer. He wants to get busy. Maybe this mountaintop is going to be their base camp. Maybe they uh, have come here for a special purpose, for the beginning, right? Peter believes that what he is seeing is the end of Roman occupation, the beginning of the kingdom of God in this place. But the revelation of Jesus Christ is not complete. Jesus is not going to be whatever Messiah we want him to be. Whether we want him to be a miracle worker that's going to come through for us when we need him most. Whether Jesus is going to be that person who gives us the healing that we want or work out this problem that we have in the way that we think it ought to be worked out. It's true that Jesus is the great healer and he does bring healing. The great provider as the shepherd of the sheep, but not always in the way that we want him to be or the way that we expect him to be. God reveals more to Peter and James and John and to us. A cloud envelops them and a voice speaks from the cloud, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the poor, terrified disciples fall flat on their faces. But Jesus does something very interesting. He reaches out and he touches them. He puts his hand on them. And they feel the warmth of him. And they feel his presence. 
Gone is Moses. Gone is Elijah. There is just Jesus. And Jesus is enough. Jesus is more than enough. <laughs> Jesus is the good shepherd. Go with him. Listen to him. He is all you need. Now it's interesting for several reasons that Moses was one of the two who appeared with Jesus. Uh, and it's true that Moses and Elijah, they represent the law and the prophets, all of, the, all of uh, the scriptures that Jesus has come to fulfill. But if we think more about Moses and we think about that Old Testament reading today, 1,500 years earlier, Moses had been present on another mountain, Mount Sinai, at another appearance of the Lord's shining glory. At Sinai, God, of course, was confirming this covenant that he had made with Israel through the Ten Commandments. And in this covenant, the people would be to him, he says, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And three times the people said that they would do all that the Lord commanded. But of course they didn't. And of course we don't either. But this mountain, Mount Sinai, points to another mountain. God's covenant, covenant with the people at Sinai looks forward. Not to this mountain, not to Jesus' shining face on the Mount of Transfiguration, but rather his bloody and beaten face on Mount Calvary. Confirming the covenant with Israel required this dramatic act, showering the people with the blood of the sacrifice. And bloody sacrifices were the way of God's Old Testament covenants. Blood for a sin sacrifice, blood smeared on the horns of the altar, blood poured out at the base of the altar, blood for the rite of ordination of Aaron and his sons, blood of a ram smeared on their right earlobes, on their thumbs, the big toe of their right foot, blood thrown on the side of the altar, more blood sprinkled on Aaron and his sons and on their garments. If the anointed priest sins, then bringing sin on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He is to present the bull at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on its head and slaughter it before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and carry it into the tent of meeting. He is to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. The priest shall then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrance that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. The rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And there's just, it goes on and on if you read in Leviticus about all of the different sacrifices and all of the ways that things were made holy. It was through blood. And Israel's worship, continuing worship, involved a lot of blood. Passover, we're familiar with, the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lintel. Blood sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant and on the mercy seat by the priest. Blood spilled and running in the streets at the worship of the temple. Culverts of blood running away down the hill. 
And here, of course, in our Old Testament reading, the beginning of all of it, the blood thrown on the people as an act of purification. The New Testament is also inaugurated with blood. Hebrews chapter 9 details the relationship between these two covenants. In the case of a will, it says, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant, the writer says, was put into effect, was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the peoples. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It is Christ who enters the holy place as the high priest. He himself, as we sing in our hymns, he himself the sacrifice, carrying his own blood into the real holy place. And this blood is spilled, of course, on Mount Calvary, this third mountain. This is, why, this is where the ultimate sacrifice for sin is going to take place. Unlike on Sinai or on the Mount of Transfiguration, here at Calvary, Christ's face doesn't appear glorious. On Mount Sinai, God is in all of his glory. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is shining like the light, all of his glory. On Mount Calvary, where God is doing this great work of salvation, you would expect Jesus to start shining on the cross, but he doesn't. He just dies. God's glory is in his act to save us, to raise us to eternal glory. And that can only happen at the cross. That's what the blood at Mount Sinai pointed to. It's what Jesus and Moses and Elijah were talking about on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you look in the book of Luke, it says that they were talking about his exodus, what he was going to accomplish, his exodus, bringing to mind Mount Sinai. But his exodus would not be through glory and shining and light and radiance, but his exodus would be in darkness, hidden to the world, through great suffering, and even through death. And I find it interesting that Israel's exodus from Egypt came through darkness and suffering and death. You think about the plagues that happened there in Egypt and all of the suffering. You read the, the account there, there's a lot of wailing and crying out that happens because of these plagues. And one of the plagues is darkness. 
darkness so that they can't even see their hand in front of their face. Even at night, you can see your hands in front of your face. Even if there's no moon, even if it's a cloudy night, you can still, there's light. But there was no light there in Egypt, except where the Israelites were. That had to be quite a sight to see. That in Egypt, there was just darkness. And of course, there was death. There was the death of the firstborn of Egypt. I was just thinking about these parallels. Uh, that's probably as far as I'm going to go with it, but it's fascinating, the parallels here. And of course, that bringing Israel out of Egypt was an act of salvation, right? That through that darkness and suffering and death, Israel comes out. And here's Jesus on Mount Calvary going through darkness and suffering and death in order to bring us out. Not himself, but to bring us out of our slavery to sin, to release us, to give us freedom, to bring us to the promised land. But of course, the exodus of the Israelites is just a picture, isn't it, of what Jesus is going to accomplish. Millions and millions Billions and billions of people have died in this world. But not one of them, except for Jesus, has saved you from your sins. It could, the death of a regular person can't do anything for you. But the death of the Son of God, that's powerful. Peter and James and John are on their faces. They're cowering in fear because of the voice from heaven. They knew that it was God the Father. Maybe it flashed through their minds, the leaders of Israel going up onto Mount Sinai. They are terrified. They understand with real clarity what David writes in the psalm. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. They feel their sinfulness fully exposed to God the Father. He speaks, and as sinful beings behold before the holy and righteous God, they are terrified and afraid, but Jesus touches them. He doesn't just say, don't be afraid. He puts his hand on them, touches them, and says to them, Rise, don't be afraid. And they look up and they see only Jesus. And we understand their fear. We have many fears of our own. And some of our fears are baseless fears. They're the product of our imagination, of our worry. They're not real. Some of these fears come from real circumstances in our lives. Earthquakes, an inflation, recession, toxic train cars that spill their contents, accidents, bodies wearing out, broken relationships, difficult finances, illnesses, 
death. We understand fear. And we understand why the disciples were afraid. Beyond our reading, after this, after his transfiguration, Jesus comes down the mountain and he returns to his ministry in a fallen, fear-filled world. He's immediately confronted by a boy who is both sick and possessed. He faces jealousy among his own disciples, brothers in the church sinning against one another. He confronts unforgiving attitudes, family problems, divorce, and so many other results of sin that cause us to fear. Jesus walked in this fear-filled world. He walked into this fear-filled world to be victorious, to be victorious even over fear and sin and death and the devil. And here today in church, it's like, it's a little bit like that Mount of Transfiguration. Here we come and we hear God speaking through his word. We see Jesus in his glory. It's a little like Mount Sinai as we receive the blood of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus in this act of purification the blood of the true and only sacrifice that takes away our sins. And we sing with the angels as we adore the Lamb slain to redeem sinners. And when we leave church today, we enter again a broken, fear-filled culture. And before we go, the pastor speaks the benediction that God gave to Aaron to speak to the people at Sinai. It's the pastor's voice, but what he says, it's my voice, but what I say is God's blessing to you. It is God's word, not mine. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace. It is Yahweh. It is the same God who is putting his name on you, who is blessing you, with a real and powerful peace. And we have peace because Jesus again touches you today and says to you, no matter what your fear is, don't be afraid. The disciples look up and they see only Jesus. Jesus is enough for you too. He's enough no matter what your fear is. He hears your prayers. He knows your needs. He's working for your good. And we leave this morning knowing that the Lord's face is truly shining on us today and throughout the coming week. Come what may, we leave in comfort, joy, and peace, and hope. And we respond to his benediction at the end of the service in song, giving him praise as we sing our closing hymn. And as we rise to depart our Lord's word to his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, echo in our ears once more, rise and have no fear. In the name of Jesus, amen.
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise and continue with the offertory on page 192. seated, we worship the Lord with our offerings. rise for prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you revealed your glory in the transfiguration of your Son, who tabernacled among us in the flesh. Open our eyes that by faith we would see him continuing to tabernacle among us in the divine service. Grant that we would heed your admonition to listen to him as he forgives and preserves us at the font, pulpit, and altar. Lord, in your mercy. Your Holy God, we ask for your blessing on this congregation. As Moses was changed when he saw your glory on Mount Sinai, may we who have beheld your glory in the face of Christ also be transformed and given boldness of spirit to share your glory to those around us. Lord, in your mercy. Your Almighty God, Moses and Elijah appeared with the Savior in glory witnessing all that the law and the prophets speak about him. Grant wisdom to all pastors and church workers to open your scriptures in such a way that everyone would hear the voice of Jesus calling them to life. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless the families of your church, that parents would teach the faith to their children, and that the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in all households. Remember also all expectant mothers, that they and their babies would be kept safe and healthy throughout their pregnancies. Lord, in your mercy. Your 
Almighty Father, you alone establish all authority on earth. Bless those entrusted with authority both here and abroad to serve with integrity and honor for the well-being of all. Guard our military personnel, especially Matt, Lee, Ethan, and Tony, and grant that all division, conflict, and strife would give way to unity, peace, and quietness. Lord, in your mercy. God of all comfort, you alone bring the peace that passes understanding to troubled hearts. Remember the afflicted, especially Bob, Richard, Tom, Joanne, Craig, Phil, Judy, Nancy, and John, and those battling cancer, Garth and Matt and their ongoing therapies, Lauren, Ron, Patty, Barbara, Pam, Marcia, and Linda, and those we name before you in our hearts, that they would know your presence, taste your peace, and receive healing according to your gracious will, ever trusting in the hope of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we praise you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Give us ears to hear your voice speaking through your word, holy lips to receive Christ's blessed sacrament with repentance and faith, and holy awe at your, whole, at your glory granted to us in the means of grace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, your power is beyond compare and your glory beyond understanding. Open our hearts to know you through the glory of your Son, whose saving will and purpose has rescued us from sin and death and made us your own people by baptism and faith. For to you, blessed and eternal Father, be, belong all glory and honor, worship and praise with your beloved Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.
gifts of grace are freely poured. Hallow her name, your name. With thankfulness and praise, we stand before your throne, intent to serve you all our days and make your glory known. Christ, the unchanging word to every passing age, whose timeless teachings still are heard, set forth on Scripture's page. Transform our thought and mind, enlighten all who read. Within your word by faith to find the bread of life indeed. Christ the redeeming Son, who shares our human birth, and by his death salvation won for every child of earth. Inspire our hearts, we pray, to tell your love abroad that all who honor Christ today and follow him as Lord. Christ the unfading light of everlasting day, the morning star of thunder bright, the life, the truth, the way, that light of truth you to live till earth's brief journey ends. Christ the ascended King, exalted high above, whose praise unending ages sing, whom yet unseen we love. When mortal life is past, your voice from heaven's throne shall call your children home at last to know as we are known.